Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hey everyone, welcome to My Millennial Money. It's a podcast where we encourage you with your money. We help you limit the dumb stuff that we do with money. I know I make dumb decisions all the time, but being part of the My Millennial Money world, it's just great to have some crowd accountability. And I know a lot of you who listen get that encouragement and accountability from our Instagram page and our Facebook group. So we do these episodes, My Millennial Stories, when I hear a story or I meet somebody who I think maybe has a different story or a story that can encourage us. I met Zandalay a couple of years ago at an event we were both speakers at and I always remember like, oh, this girl's really switched on and I remembered that I'd love to get her on My Millennial Money one day and today's the day. So Zandalay, thank you so much for coming on My Millennial Money. I was personally blown away and you'll hear like as we get going, you know, part of her culture that I was so totally not aware about and it blew my mind. So thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening. I'll chat to you guys soon. Well, Zandalay, thank you so much for joining us on My Millennial Money. How are you going today? I'm going good. Thank you, Glenn, for having me. No worries. Now, I love doing these episodes about people's story. So, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So, my name is Zandile Dube. I'm currently based in Australia, but I was actually born in Zimbabwe and I lived there up until I was 17. And then I moved here for uni and I came here with my family. So, I was reunited with my family when I actually came to Australia. So, it's quite common in Zimbabwe, the way I grew up, that um, parents go to a different country to look for jobs. So, I actually met my mom when I was 17 years old. For the first time in person? Yes. yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, that's – wow. Well, mm. And we do these episodes so people can learn about other people's stories, cultures, backgrounds. Mm. So, yeah. who was instrumental in raising you? Was it grandparents or aunts or uncles? Mm-hmm. So my mom's sister, who is my second mom, was raising me up until I was in year five. That's when she sadly passed away. And then that's when I started living with my grandmother. But my mom was the one who was sending money back home to look after everyone because by that time, things were starting to get hard in Zimbabwe because now the unemployment rate is about 85%. So you can only imagine how there are no jobs. So for people to survive, they would go to different countries and that's how they would care for their families so my mom actually went to america so yeah she was the one sending us money but i was living with my grandmother after year five wow and your mother Mm -hmm. went you said she went to america then to australia 
So she went to America and then we then came to Australia together. So she came ah, when I was 17. Yes. yes. Wow. That's, uh, mm. that's fascinating. And so what was it like growing up in Zimbabwe? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I think the thing is when I was in Zimbabwe, I didn't realize how bad the situation was. I think that's the beauty of life that if you're in a situation that might not be ideal, like now I'm looking back, I look at it and I'm, and I'm thinking, wow, that was such not an ideal situation. But growing up there, it was amazing. Like I thought it was amazing because that's all I knew. And I think one thing was my family was full of love. We all loved each other and we were like a big family. I'm very close with my cousins and everything. Of course, we're not as privileged as we are here to the point where like we have electricity all the time or water. Like in Zimbabwe, sometimes electricity goes or water goes, so you should be prepared. Like, you should always have, like, tanks full of water and things like that. But other than that, I thought everything was amazing, and that's all I knew. Wow. And so how, like, growing up, and what I'm doing now, Mm -hmm. I'm actually bringing up Google Maps of Zimbabwe. Yes. So what (laughs) region uh, were you Mm -hmm. from? And for those who do not know their geography well, it's Eastern Africa. I think Southern Southern Eastern. Well, sorry, yeah. I zoomed out. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's south uh, to the east um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it borders with Mozambique, Botswana and South Africa is to the very south yes. of you. Yes. So, what, what part of Zimbabwe? Um, so, with my aunt, we lived in Harare, but after she passed away, we lived in Marondera. So, Harare is the capital city, and Marondera is like an hour, an hour and a half away from Harare. Wow, wow. Mm. And so, Zimbabwe, I guess, on the you know government and financial front, they mm-hmm. really struggled like we had, you mentioned before, the unemployment was mm. just through the roof hyperinflation. Mm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Zimbabwe printed like a million dollar note or something like that. Yes. I think that's what I was going to talk to you about when you're talking about money, because you can imagine yeah. how people's savings, everyone lost their savings because of the inflation. But yes, yeah, so the economy went, things started to shake up after 2008. That's when we started to feel it because it got to a point where you'd go to the bank to withdraw enough money to buy like, let's say bread. And yes. that's it. Wow. <laughs> like the whole day, because we started being kept it like, okay, you can only withdraw 15 million a day. And that 15 million would be enough to buy bread only. And that was also because of corruption and a lot of things that were happening. But now it's actually not. It's not funny, but like it's just interesting how now we have a currency that no one recognizes outside of Zimbabwe. So we have bond notes mm. that you can't use to buy anyway. So it's very hard to then trade and get things in Zimbabwe because I can't go and buy materials in South Africa with my bond notes. Yeah. Now, if your mm. uh, mother was, uh, was she with your father? Overseas as well? Yes. Yes. So she's with us. So I live with my stepdad now. Yeah. So he's essentially my father. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And would Mm. they like send a lot of money at once uh, or just Mm -hmm. drip feed it to really get around that inflation? Uh, no, so they would send it in US dollars and then yep. we then change it. So I think that's also the beauty of having someone who's outside of uh, Zimbabwe because we have access to foreign currency. So when you send foreign currency, it's easier to keep it as foreign currency. And when you're about to use it, that's when you go and 
change the money change so it. it's yeah. not like yeah it's not like you can change large amounts of money because then inflation would hit and then it mm. would easily be worth nothing so you have to change money almost every single day the money that you need to use well wow. then mm. so i guess your view of money growing up was mm. like it was well, you can explain, but I'm just imagining like as a young child, um, you knowing that your parents are far away and that they are supplying for the family. Was that, how how was that growing up? Yeah, I think at first it was something because in Zimbabwe, our culture, I think it's a lot of third world countries or maybe would say conservative cultural countries. Money is very taboo. So you wouldn't know that's the arrangement. Like they wouldn't tell you. It's something that you would get with, as you grow up, like, oh, this is what's happening. So your parents can never tell you their financial situations. They can never tell you if they own the house or they're renting or anything. Like wow. people don't talk about money. So that's why even in our communities now, people don't know much about money because you can't freely talk about money with the, to the next person. And I also mm-hmm. think, may, I think a lot of other immigrants will actually relate to this because another thing is because it's such a tough economy, right? So you have like, let's say this podcast where people come and talk about how they made money and how amazing things are, but it's very hard to do that with us because if people know that you have money, they start coming to you to ask for money because they are struggling as well so you kind of hide the money thing whether you're struggling you can't tell people you're struggling if you're doing well you can't tell them as well because people would then ask you for money wow so yeah there could be a a, a lot of money that's available to send over uh but you really have to keep to the cultural norms of your community Sorry, I didn't get that. So, you know, you oh, so I, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll rephrase it. And um, mm-hmm. and Zandi, obviously, English is her second language. So, I think you're doing very well. <laughs> to be yeah, honest, but, yeah, in Zimbabwe, it's an English-speaking country, but it's just a second language. So we speak it since we're born, like literally. Oh, really? But it's just yeah. So it's second language, just, yeah. Yeah, so at school we speak English. At home we speak Shona. So I've spoke, uh, spoken oh. English my whole life, essentially. It's just my second language, yeah. Right, right. Okay, no, that's fine. I guess what I was saying is if if you had a, a lot of money that came into the family, you'd have to pretend like, you, like you're the next door neighbour. Yeah, definitely. So that's why it's very hard now because like, for example, I'm on the My Millennial Money group on Facebook and like she's on the money, right? And people talk about the tips that they had to save money, how they manage their money well and how it's going Mm. for them. But then for us, we can't do that because if people know that you're doing so well with money then they start asking you for money because they'll be like, this uh, cousin of mine is sick. Can you please give me money? It's a life or death situation. Mm. This Because the unemployment rate is so high. So that's why when you said, what was your view on money when you were young? I said, money was not even talked about because yeah. it's something that we don't talk about because if you're struggling, you don't want anyone to know you're struggling. If you're doing well, you don't want people to know because they'll also come to you wanting asking for money as well. Wow. Okay. So, if we fast forward, you've graduated university in Australia, in Sydney. You're now working full-time as an analyst. Yes. Yeah. Now, what has your relationship been with money now that you're 
working full time and you've got that cultural upbringing, uh, has it been hard to adjust, particularly with social media? Like I'm sure you've got family members overseas that can see your life. How has that been to adjust to? Yeah, so it's been um it's been difficult but also I'm lucky to be in an area where I get a lot of um financial advice and financial knowledge and then I can apply that to my life and also to my community and teach them some things about money that I know but definitely it's been hard and I've had to set boundaries because when you come from a country that a lot of people are not fortunate and you come to a country like Australia where you have a lot of opportunities you can have guilt associated with that in the sense that you think oh I'm the only lucky one so sometimes you take a burden to want to look after everyone so it's something that I've had to then adjust like yes I can look after some people but also I need to set boundaries and reach my financial goals and it's very difficult to set the boundaries because said things are happening. People are dying. Um, the healthcare system mm. is very bad and everything. And every single da- every single time you have random people messaging you on Instagram, can I please have $60 for this medical bill? Can I please have $100 to send my kid to school? Can I please have this? And that money adds up, all right? So mm. it's also just... I had to sit down and also set boundaries that, yes, I put this much money aside to help people in my budget. But then outside of that, there's not a lot I can do because I can't help everyone because at the end of the day, my whole salary will be just going to other people. So it's something that I even talk about with my friends and other people from countries like where I'm from, that they struggle with a lot. Like, where do I set the boundary between helping people but also looking after myself? Because it's really hard because you can only imagine how I can have the luxury to go eat out, but that money, someone else actually wants to survive on that money. So you can only imagine the guilt associated with that as well. What did your parents do for work? Because I would imagine that not every uh, family from where you're from has the opportunity for parents to go abroad and send money back. Is that true? Or what of, of the community that you grew up in, how many of your friends growing up had parents abroad? So it's quite common. So almost all of my friends had family abroad because wow. Zimbabwe is big on education. So people pride themselves in education. So you see, even now, I have friends who are now doing their master's or PhD, but they are just no jobs. So my mom is a nurse practitioner and my dad is an engineer. So that's when they went to America to do that. And that's also why we're able to come here because there's a shortage of, when we came here, there was a shortage of like healthcare professionals here. So it was easier for us to come here, but it's quite common because even my best friend has the same exact same story, grew up with a grandmother and then Wow, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's so fascinating. Mm. And it it just speaks to why we need to have as many voices on the podcast (laughs) just to educate people of how other Mm. people and cultures live, right? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I remember when I didn't think it was not normal that I I met my mom at 17 up until I came here and I mentioned that and everyone was shocked. And I'm thinking, oh, it's not normal, but in Zimbabwe that's the norm because – we just have to do what we have to do to survive. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That's, uh, that's amazing. Now, I, I think it's, it's funny because I, I like to pause sometimes with interviews and, you know, when people approach you from, for money, um, 
it can be for some people listening, it can be really hard to set those boundaries. Like we've had people put in the Facebook group and you've probably seen the things. It's like, mm. oh, my, my dad made me get a car loan in my name and this. So mm. how do you go about setting those boundaries? Do you, do you have to give people a firm no, I can't, or do you just palm it off in a soft way? Yeah, I think I think you have to give a firm no and just show them that you do a lot of things and you just cannot do this because it doesn't stop. Like, I don't know for other people, but like in my situation, it happens almost every week because people see things, um, let's say if I have an interview with you or other people, they see all those things and I talk about career and they're saying, okay, you must be having a lot of money. So they come to you, but if you give them a firm no, then mm. you set those boundaries. But I think if you do it softly by saying, oh, this time I can't, but maybe next time, then they'll come again next time and you have to go through the same process all the time. But I think if you give them a firm no, then those boundaries are already set. And yeah. I think also the bigger part is dealing with yourself as well. I think that's the hard thing, just the guilt of knowing that you couldn't help anyone. Uh, like that thought of knowing that you couldn't help someone. I think you just have to know that you can't help everyone and that's okay. Yeah. And I, I believe like, cause I'm really big on giving and generosity, but we have to be strong ourselves and have longevity ourselves financially because the longer we are strong financially and around for a long time, the more that we can give in the future. But if we gave everything away uh, early on in our life, um, we won't be there for the future. So, mm, And I agree with that because like what I said, that our parents were working overseas and giving back home. I can only, my parents has put to uh, put people through school, more than 20 people, 30 people through school. They've been giving for years and years. And that's why my mother always advises me that if she could go back, she would then focus on working on her financials and then helping later on uh, because it just doesn't stop because you help someone now, they're going to need to go to high school, they need to go to uni. So you continue helping for more than 18 years. So mm. I agree with what you said. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Before we go any further, we're just going to take a quick break. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. So you're like all of us, we get money that comes into our bank account. Do you think by nature uh, you're a spender or saver and do you think your upbringing has influenced that? I think by nature, I think I'm a bit of both yep. because I save and I spend because um, I, like I like security, whether it's financial security, whatever it is. And also that's why I chose my career because I like security and knowing that if anything happens, I have money aside, but also I love clothes and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so I also, <laughs> I also spend. So I think by nature, I'm a bit of both. Yeah. No, that's, I'm actually learning. There's, um, you know, life's a spectrum. And while I'm a, a 
heavy on the spender side and other people are heavy on the saver side, there can be mm-hmm. a bit of a balance uh, in some people like uh, personality profiles and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. I was going to say I agree with that because when I started working, I had no knowledge of money whatsoever, but I was just saving. So I actually, uh, my parents would pay half for my university and I would pay the other half. That's how, but I had no knowledge of money back then because I would just save. But now I yeah. know mm. Yeah, no, that's cool. Mm. And uh, what did you study at university? So I studied a Bachelor of Business and Commerce, uh, majoring in accounting and finance. Yeah, great. And um, what's the, I know I touched on it before, but analyst, what type of work are you doing now? Yeah, so I mostly do valuations. So valuing businesses uh, mostly in different industries. And then sometimes I do a bit of majors and acquisitions. Yeah. Do you like your job? Yeah, I like it so much. I find it very challenging and I love like the fact that you're always on top of what's happening in, in the markets and the news and how different things affect businesses. Like, for example, when COVID hit, now you're seeing directly how it's impacting businesses and how we can come up with strategies to go around that. So I really enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And do you have any current financial goals in your life? Yes. So at the moment, I think my financial goals are really tied to my personal goals. So before COVID, I really wanted to travel and just live in different countries, work in different countries. So let's say live in the UK for a year, live in South Africa for a year. So that's my personal goal. So I had to tie that to my financial goals. So I invest in the stock market instead of buying a um, property because I want the freedom to be going around but also saving and investing and hopefully in 10 years I can buy a property without a mortgage or something that's what I'm thinking but I don't know if it's too out there yeah. but that's it would only be too out there if you weren't doing any investing so <laughs> you'll yeah. be a lot further in 10 years to that goal even if you uh, had to get a mortgage for 30% of the value it's a lot better yeah. than uh, borrowing all the money so no yeah. that's that's really good mm. what do you think i like asking people this question what mm. do you think the best thing that you've ever done and it doesn't have to be related to money i think the best thing i've ever done was being inquisitive like I just love asking people. I love hearing stories. I talk to strangers. And um, recently I started documenting the stories that I have with strangers and putting them on my LinkedIn. But that has really taught me a lot. And I've seen the world from different perspectives and being able to pick different parts of people's stories and put them into my life. And I think that's the best thing I've ever done. And I managed to learn a lot in such a short space of time. And I continue learning from having conversations. Yeah. Wow. Do you, do you remember if you've made any money mistakes that you regret making? Cause we all make mistakes. Um, have you bought too many uh, clothes or <laughs> yeah, done anything think, wild like that? Yeah. I think uh, the thing with me is, uh, my mom has always taught me to live below uh, below my means. So I think it has really prevented me from making major mistakes. I think I've made like, let's say, $100 to $200 mistakes, but not major mistakes. Because the funny thing is, even up to now, at my big age, when I'm at my mom's house, if I order clothes, I have to like hide them 
and sneak them into the house <laughs> because she yell at me like, why you keep buying clothes <laughs> and things like that. So I think it prevented me from buying, let's say, a very expensive car when I started working or doing crazy yeah. things. So I owe it to my mom because yeah, I just thought before I knew anything about money, I thought if my mom sees me with this, she'll be very upset. So that's what stopped me from making big mistakes. <laughs> Yeah. Your mom sounds like she's very wise. We probably should get her as a host on the show. <laughs> I think I think so. But she's very wise, very like she's very strict and yeah, she will ask you like my sister my little sister started working and she has to ask mom before she spends her own money that she worked for. We laugh at her. Yeah. Oh, I love that. If you're uh if a, a good friend of yours said, Zandy, I need some money advice, help me out, what would you tell them? I think for me, the biggest thing is always keep looking for education because different people have different goals and what my goals are and how I budget or save my money would be different to you. So I would say go and listen to podcasts like this and other podcasts on the market so you can learn more about money. But also, so the funny thing is I'll sound like I'm just saying this was I'm here, but after I met you, I think last, no, the year before last year, I went and I bought the Glenn James spending yes. plan. And I just really love, I just really love it because one thing that I love about that is it just tells you how much you need to save, how much you need to do this, how much I allocate to my beauty, everything. So I find the less you think about your money, the easier it is to just, to just like save and budget because now I'm thinking, not the less I think about your money. Like if I have a budget, I don't have to think every month how much I'm saving. I just know every month I'm putting this much money away, this much money here and things like that. So I think having a budget like that is something that I would mm. really recommend because it just yeah. makes your life easier and you don't have to do everything on your own. Yeah. And uh, thanks mm. for your support with that. And I think it's so like mm. once you get a system in place, whether it's my system or another system, mm. It just happens to be in the background where it's not the main focus. You just do maintenance mm-hmm. on that, um, which just frees up your mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you support any charities or non-for-profits? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I actually started um, my own non-for-profit in 2019. Um, oh, wow. It's called, yeah. So it's called um, Employment Connect. Um, it helps increase cultural diversity in the corporate world because after I finished uni and I joined the corporate world, I realized there were not a lot of people from African and Caribbean backgrounds in the corporate world. And it sounds so minor, like, oh, why do you care? But sometimes it's really hard to dream beyond what you can see. So when I have my own career goals, but I can't see anyone who looks like me in certain areas, I start to question, is it possible or for someone like me and things like that? So to bridge that gap, I started partnering with companies who would give me mentors that would mentor people who are still at uni and guide them into the industry and the things that you can do to get and break into the industry. So, yeah. Wow. I'll I'll get you to email me a link Mm -hmm. if you've got a website or a LinkedIn page and we can put that in the show notes. Um, Okay. Like what has your experience been like over the years that you've been in Australia with working in corporate life? Have you had any direct racism or anything nasty Mm -hmm. like that? 
Ah yes, so I remember I've had two I had I had two direct uh, racism. One was um I was working for this company and I had to my first job I had to chase up uh clients with ASIC fees and be like, Oh, you haven't paid your ASIC fees, can you pay them? Like I was working for an independent company, not ASIC. And then um one person was not paying their ASIC fees up until the bill kept piling up. And then <clears throat> my manager then called them and said Oh, why didn't you pay the fees? They said, "Oh, I saw the name and I thought it was just a Nigerian trying to scam me from money." And I said, "What?" <laughs> so my yeah. name, yeah. So it was something like that. And then another one, I was on the phone call with a client, and they just started yelling and saying, "Why would you employ someone with an accent?" Jeez. To be yeah, to be um, here, but also. I think in Australia it can be much better than other countries. I don't think I have been stopped from getting a promotion or something because of my race. So I'm quite grateful for the company that I work for and they always support everything that I do. Yeah. Well, yeah. next time anyone says to you why are you working with an accent or something like that, ask them mm. how many languages can you speak, dummy? <laughs> that's true. I think that's, that's the thing. <laughs> that is very true. Like some people are just not very tolerant. But I find, um, especially now, I don't know if it's different generation or what, you rarely direct racism like Get. that. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really good to hear. Mm. Now, if you got $10,000 tomorrow, mm-hmm. what are you doing with it? I think I'll just put it on the stock market because I don't think I need anything <laughs> at the moment. I'll just, that yeah, I'll just fun, buy yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While we're talking about uh, the stock market, how do you mm-hmm. invest yourself? Yeah, so I'm quite of the of um, on the safe side, no, safe in quotes. I like yeah. buying, let's say, Vanguard ETFs. I love my sure. ETFs. And yeah, I'm, I haven't gone too much into... Um, individual stocks because I'm look eyeing out a few ones, but yeah, I'm big on ETFs. Yeah, no, I uh, mm. I agree there. Now, before we go, do you have any public service announcements or anything you want to say? Or I don't know if you want to ask me any questions. You can. It's the stage is yours. It's your podcast right now. Do you want to say anything or do anything? Yes, uh, I would like to ask you, what has been the most rewarding thing that you feel like you have gotten from having this podcast? I Yeah, that's a good question. Can I choose more than one? <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> all right. So, a couple of things. Like, number one, um, almost daily, I get um, testimonies from people who have been helped and are on the right track for setting up their financial goals. So that's uh, on just an emotional, feel-good, wow, Glenn James, the bogan from the Central Coast, has been able to help so many people. And that's that's probably the biggest rewarding thing that what I'm not – like doing this stuff in vain. It is helping people. It is encouraging Mm. people. And I only know so much and that's why I can't be your guru, but I can be your encourager and I can bring in other Mm. people like yourself to really uh, make this a really good online community. Number two, probably that I'm actually building a business out and making a living out of what I love doing. 
Mm. Okay. And yeah. then the next one, the only the last one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you would give yourself advice in 2020, having gone through COVID and everything, we're still going through it. Uh, or when things first hit, what mm. would what advice would you give yourself? Well, it's funny you say that. It's not a, a what would I give myself. Mm-hmm. It's what I did give myself last year. Mm-hmm. Um, when we go through bad times, you know, it's that reminder that I will get through this. I've been through bad times before. It's never as bad as it seems and it's never as good as it seems. <laughs> like it's, yes. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question that. I, I just think I've got through worse before I can get through this. You know, starting my business when I was 25 years old and remembering like I had a car loan and I didn't have any money and the bank was calling me to say, we're coming to repossess the car if you don't mm. uh, pay. And I'm like, well, come and get it. I just said, come and get it. I'll tell you where the keys are. Like by having no money uh, and I got mm-hmm. through that, I could certainly get through COVID. Yes, the income did drop, uh, but I did have cash in the bank. So it's that, it's not as bad as it seems because I can still mm-hmm. pay my bills and I can still get by. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for answering my questions. No worries. Well, Zandi, thank you so much for joining me on My Millennial Money today. It's uh it's been a fascinating uh, conversation. And in fact, I had a conversation yesterday with somebody that's going up on the podcast and I was driving home and I sent her a, like a video message. I was like, hey, thank you so much for the chat. It's just, I, I don't know, maybe it's the third thing that these conversations are so rewarding because it opens up my world to other people's experiences. And I'm just so grateful that you could take the time to join us. Thank you so much for having me. I was really excited to come on here because I always listen to the podcast. So I just couldn't believe it. So thank you so much for having me. Well, Zandi, thank you so much. I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm. I right, see you. Thank you. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 